Welcome to Profiles. Welcome to Profiles. A monthly podcast featuring industry disruptors. Tune in to hear the stories of people who weren't afraid to dream big, take chances, and shake things up. Hello and welcome to Promo Corner's podcast, Profiles, where we talk with industry disruptors to get their take on the world of promotional products and how they're shaking things up. I'm your host, Steve Woodburn, and we appreciate your taking time out of your busy day to schedule time with us. The best word to describe our guest this month is passionate. She's extremely passionate about our industry, about her work, her children, and especially Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, my favorite. (laughs) So I have been doing this um, probably now for 17 years, 16 or 17 years. Um, I just received my brown belt, which someone would say, wow, that took a really long time. But guess what? It is not karate. You do not get your black belt in six months. (laughs) And I don't want to diss karate. I think karate is, you know, great for, especially for children where they're building their self-confidence. I think it's a great to stay in shape. However, um, for Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it is real. You cannot fake it at all. When you are in a real life or death situation, this is what's going to protect you. And I always say this, um, I teach self-defense um, all over the country. I've done seminars in Vegas at ASI shows, um, uh, everywhere, basically, if they, uh, you know, at my gym, we, we're teaching self-defense to women. I, and I try to say like, this isn't going to be the only class that you need, but let this be the first class that you take that opens your awareness because the final destination for a sexual attack is going to be on your back. Unfortunately, I hate to say that, but I'm actually the most dangerous there when I, because of Brazilian jujitsu, um, I'm, I'm would rather start laying down on my back and on my butt than get knocked down and, and knocked out. So I think jujitsu has just been completely empowering for me. It's also been a huge confidence boost. This month's guest is Meg Erber, who has self-titled her position with SNS Activewear as educator. Then again, nothing about Meg is run-of-the-mill. From growing up in a small town in New Jersey to joining the Navy at age 17 in the role of... Interior communications, um, petty officer, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, there's something to say about really getting your hands dirty and working hard and having a purpose. And I think a lot of people really like that, having that purpose. And when people get out, they struggle. And um, I didn't know what to do with myself when I got out. I actually was like, all right, well, I got to go back in. I, 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 that's my family. And although she didn't re-up, she says her military experience has had a huge impact on her career since. I didn't translate at all. <laughs> it was actually really hard. But I will say that it helped me develop these leadership skills that I wouldn't have had. It helped. It gave me confidence that I definitely didn't have growing up. I think when I was you know, in middle school, I was 73 pounds soaking wet and um, had these big ears, frizzy hair, braces. And um, I just, I had a, you know, I just didn't have that confidence. And I think that's what the military did for me. Despite her impressive military resume and a top secret security clearance, she wasn't able to get a job in the field she trained for. So she did what anyone else looking for a job in those days did. She went online to monster.com and found our industry. 
So my first job, I worked at a web distributor, similar to like a foreign print, but on a much smaller scale. Um, it was gimmies.com. Um, and the reason that happened is when I first um, answered that ad on monster.com, I answered an ad for uh, a shoebies.com. Back during the Great Depression, um, people would travel to the Jersey Shore from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, and they would bring their shoebox. I'm sorry, they would bring their lunch in a shoebox. And then they would scatter their shoeboxes all over the beach. They had they adapted the term shoebies. Um, so there was a shoebies.com website and it was like a go-to website for the Jersey Shore. And then, oh, by the way, if you're in a meeting and they happen to need pens or t-shirts, we do that too. So I had their very first sale. It was the sizzle pen from Souvenir Line, if that's dating myself. Um, <laughs> and um, then we took them to fastest growing distributor uh, two years in a row. So um, I had a great start. At a, it was a fun company. We learned a lot. And and then I went to Jetline, and, and now here I am at SNS Activewear. So it's been a it's been a very fun ride. But it's 19 years in this industry. When Meg started, our industry was working to wrap its arms around the internet and the technology that would radically change how things were done. From her perspective, how has this business changed in the ensuing years? That's a really good question because I feel like this this industry is constantly evolving. And I preach you have to evolve and adapt or you're going to be left in the dust. And you know, when I was a distributor, I kind of thought I was in like this little bubble, you know, when I first started in this industry, you know, I thought we were the the biggest, you know, everyone knew who we were and we were like, we had the spotlight on us. And then when I left that distributorship, I realized, oh, I was like, who, they were just a very, very small piece of the pie. And I was missing out on this whole world of, of promotional products. So I really feel like I thought it was a much smaller industry back then. And now um, being in this industry for so long, I really feel like it's the technology and the people and the, the community. I feel like it's become more of a community where back then it was everyone was out for themselves more. And that could have just been my perspective as well, because like I said, I was in this little bubble and now I'm not. So I really feel like there's a much bigger sense of community. I really feel like there's a sense of pride to be in this industry. Um, I always talk about, you know, the my the reps that are in this industry are more like family because when you go to these regional shows and you're traveling and you're away from your family, you're often tend to travel with the same group of people. So they become your family away from family. Well, I didn't have that 20 years ago. You know, you're on your own. Um, but again, that was my perspective. I was in this small bubble, but I really feel like that this industry has come a long way. Um, and then the amount of mentorship and, and, that is available, which wasn't available back then. And I really feel like there's still not enough. As part of her commitment to make our industry a better place to work and the world a better place to live, Meg serves on the board of PromoCares, an industry nonprofit dedicated to encouraging social and environmental responsibility. So what does she think our business does well? Being on the Promo Cares board has, has really allowed me to reach a whole new avenue of people from our industry, right? So before I joined the Promo Cares Board, I really didn't do a lot of fundraising or philanthropy work. And now that I'm there, I really feel like this industry has done a really good job of putting um, compassionate and collaboration over competition. You know, two of the biggest 
apparel suppliers are able to put aside their differences and and work together, you know, for these big causes. So, for instance, um, the last fundraiser we did was Ukraine for Good, where this industry came together as one to stand and in solidarity for Ukraine, and we raised about seventy six thousand um, dollars for Save the Children, which was working with the displaced children over in Ukraine. So it wasn't like we were just throwing money at the wind. Um, we really we had uh, vetted this five hundred one c three, and I really feel like our industry uses promo for good we have we have it at our fingertips we know about overruns and misprints and all the stuff that can go in into the trash and we are able to use that and repurpose it for for good and we're able to do this because we have these memes at our fingertips so i really think our industry does a really good job of repurposing the stuff that um that we're, we're not using and if and it's getting better i'm not saying it's perfect by any means but I'm saying there's a lot of people out there in our industry that see the waste and the see that the stuff that has gone into the brand fills and they're like, wow, we can repurpose this for good. And I think that we're doing a really good job of it. And uh, it can only get better, uh, obviously, but I think we're doing a really good job of that so far. And on the other hand, what can all of us as practitioners in promo do better? Again, on the flip side of that, there's still a lot that ends up in the brand fill. We could be, we could do that. We could still be better at that. The other thing I mentioned earlier is that we didn't have any mentoring um, when I first came in. Um, and I think of the burnout that has happened. Uh, I, I've experienced it. I, I know many people have experienced it, especially during COVID. If you were, if you were still working through that and you were selling PPE or, or not, I think there's, there was a lot of burnout. I don't know if there's more resources and more to help salespeople or leadership or anything like that um, to help with that because if you're trying to stay relevant and you're trying to stay in front of everybody and you're an outside sales rep, or even if you're inside and you're really trying to keep your, your hands and everything and keep going and keep this industry propelling, it's, it's very easy to burn out. So I feel like there should be more mentorship options. I think Promo Kitchen is doing an amazing job. Um, they've done an amazing job of, of, of matching people up with people that are industry veterans, with new people. Uh, I just wish that was available when I had first started. I, I can't even imagine um, what, what this would have grown into earlier. That's all. One of the words that gets thrown around a lot these days is sustainability. With so many of the products in this business considered cheap and junky, how do we incorporate sustainability into our everyday practices? So I think when it first came into our industry, it was probably, man, early, mid-2000s, 2010 era. I, I can't really remember. And it was a great idea, right? Oh, a sustainable bag or an eco-friendly pen. But the pens didn't really work that well. And the bags were way too expensive. So it was a great thought, but people self-perseverance um, always won over. They're like, you know what? That bag is $4 more than that $1.99 bag, and my customer has a budget. Um now I feel like the buyers are are younger. They have they've. I it's more about I think what the buyers are asking for, and they like to they want to align themselves and their morals and their values are more about having a better earth and leaving this place better than what they came into it. And I really feel like it's driven by the consumers more now than it was back then. With that being said, um, with the technology and with more people adapting this into their processes and the and the demand and us putting pressure on because uh, you know there's the food chain there's the end user the distributor the supplier and i'll just say china it's they're not always china because now people are trying to move things from china hit is doing an amazing job of trying to really repurpose um not repurpose that's the wrong word operations i guess from china 
elsewhere. And a lot of our suppliers are. They're trying to come up with more sustainable ways, more sustainable practices. For example, this new fundraiser that we're doing for Promo Cares is called Water for Good. And what we're doing is we're highlighting what we as an industry are doing to the water quality globally. These factories, these mills, these production facilities, they're in disadvantaged communities all over the world. Um, that don't have ad adequate water sources. They don't have access to clean drinking water, hand washing, um, the education that they need to know, like, hey, if you get enough water, you'll do better. You'll, you'll, you can wash yourself. They'll go to school. You feel better about yourself. Um, these means aren't available to these, these um, disadvantaged communities. So we took it upon ourselves to create this awareness, um, and we've, we're really putting pressure again on these these mills and these factories to reduce their water consumption, to reuse their water, um, to find better ways to do it. And we're going and we're building water towers in Mexico this fall. So the sustainability aspect is not going away because people like Promo Cares and these younger buyers are 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 creating these awarenesses that are like, wow, we didn't even think about that. That's all well and good, but how does she convince her customers, who want to spend as little as possible, that sustainability matters? Um, I'll sell you a basic t-shirt all day if you need it. I know sometimes people have a small budget and you need to buy, you know, 25,000 basic t-shirts because you have to throw a bunch of shit at the wall to see what sticks. I get it. I get it. There's always a need for it. It's probably some of our biggest selling products. However, I talk to the customer and I'm like, do you want your customers to wear this t-shirt? Do you want them to rewear it? What do you want with your ROI? What is your end game? I would rather you give out some, a really nice t-shirt to maybe three quarters of those people or half of those people. And then the, they rewear that t-shirt because the t-shirt feels good. It's soft. It has, you know, a better message on it. Um, and, Sustainability doesn't just come down to the recycled materials or the, what, the, what the quality and what the fabrication is. It also comes down to, like I said before, the processes, the dyeing, the cutting, the, the labor. But it also comes into the messaging because if you just throw somebody's logo on it and, and left chest, they might not want to wear it. They might not want to wear your logo. But if you have a message or a, a really a really pretty design or, you know, something that's nice that could be reworn, and put your logo on the back or on the sleeve, people will rewear it. That's keeping that t-shirt out of the brand fill. It's, that's the biggest part of sustainability is just keeping it out of that brand fill. So with the sustainability aspect of it, it comes down to your messaging, it comes down to your fabrication, it comes down to the processes, um, all of it. So um, we just have to do better. We have to think about what we're selling um, and just don't sell the junk. Talk your customers in, talk to them, find out what their end game is. You know, we don't, we don't need to sell the junk just to make that customer. You know, it has to be about you too. You know, what, what do you want to sell? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be that person that they'll come to for that cheap pen or that cheap magnet or that cheap t-shirt? I don't like selling that cheap t-shirt. I would rather see my customers at the end of the day be the hero. And by being the hero, I'm able to get them into a, a t-shirt within their budget that I know that'll make their customer happy that won't end up in the trash or in that drawer. It'll be reworn and reworn and it'll be their customer's favorite t-shirt. The world is changing rapidly with new technologies constantly being introduced. From artificial intelligence to cryptocurrencies, non-fungible tokens known as NFTs, and the metaverse, it's not easy to keep up and adapt. Does Meg see herself as someone working to incorporate these technologies into the promo world as a disruptor or innovator? 
I like to be the forefront of things. So, of course, when all this um, AI technology came out, um, the NFTs came out, the metaverse stuff, I really took to it. I thought it was very interesting. And I really wanted to be the forefront uh, and push this industry forward with those things. I know there was a couple of people that were doing it and it was very exciting and it was very new. So I really took it upon myself to to learn as much as I could. Um, and it is, it is ever changing. So I really wanted to push and shove it down people's throats a little bit because I thought, you know, hey, listen, this is this can make our lives easier. It's not going to replace us by any means. I don't feel like that. And I think the people that are afraid of it are going to that's, how do I say this? The people that don't want to implement it or don't want to use it or are afraid of it or are, are not ready to evolve and adapt, they're the people that it may replace later on. And, I'm, and I say that because I use ChatGPT almost every day um, or MidJourney or, you know, something along those lines. And I use it for inspiration or ideas or if I'm stuck and I need a word or a sentence or a description or help me write this email. You just put the right prompts in to kind of figure out what you're looking for. And you can, if, if it doesn't come out right, you can say, no, no, let's try it this way or add a new prompt. And I really feel like it's helped me. I feel like it'll help this industry. Um, and I, I think it's just something new and exciting. And and I also think if we don't learn it, like with the NFTs, I was a really big um, advocate for those because we were seeing big customers like Super Bowl, the NFL, um, beer companies, it doesn't matter. Everybody was starting to incorporate them into their brand, their branding strategies. So if, if they're coming, if your customers are coming to you for your promo and your print and your custom apparel, why shouldn't they also come to you for your NF, their NFTs? Because if they don't, they're going to go to somebody else. So let's learn it all together. Let's figure it out together and um, and, and start implementing it because it's, it's something as we could use as an add-on that's it's only going to make make our industry better. AI, or artificial intelligence, is one of the most controversial of these technologies, with claims ranging from it will make our world more productive to it will cause the destruction of our planet. What does Meg think about all this hype? So, for instance, in the technology on the, in the warehouses, I th it's already being implemented. Um, robots are being used to pull apparel, pull hard goods. If you look at um, some of the digital media, I would say, that's being used in our industry, that's already programmed by AI. You don't, you don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's going to be used to help write scripts, generate websites. Every night, uh, my daughter, we have like a storyline that we follow on ChatGPT, and we do a story time every night. So I love that you're actually using that. And I think about it, I'm like, I could write children's books with this. <laughs> well, there you go. I think it's so cool. I think it's so cool. And it's um, it's almost magical. And, I, and if you, we use the right prompts to kind of make my daughter feel like the hero at the end of every story, you know, and help. And it's all about like focusing and doing better and being kind to her friends. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out in five years, in 10 years. Um, so I think right now, I think we're already using it. A lot of people don't even realize it. Um, for the future, it's, ah, that's to be, that's to be told because I, I think, with the crypto and the NFTs and, um, you know, you think you're going one way with it and then something new comes in and it just completely takes charge. Like this chat GPT thing wasn't even in my realm when I was talking about NFTs and the metaverse, you know, and I think the metaverse is where it's really going to, we're going to see, I think the biggest, the most fun things come for this industry. I think it's just so neat. And I think there's, it's so, un it's uncharted territory for us. 
So for me, that's exciting because it's something that we can explore and we can grow into. So I don't know what the next five to 10 years is going to look like with that because it's changing every day. What does she say to the naysayers who claim it will steal their jobs and ruin our world? I say to the same thing that I said to them when they were like, social media, they're going to steal our customers. You know, nobody, it's not, it's not, just stop, just move on. You know, you can't live your life so afraid of everything. Okay. If you're afraid of something, you have to, you have to tackle it. You have to face those fears. Um, I, I have a crazy fear of public speaking and I just make myself do it. And, uh, you know, I I talked about that at women's leadership conference last year, you know, I'm scared to death of sharks and I will, (laughs) I'm not going to do it anymore because I'm just too scared of them anymore, but I have tried and I've faced my fears and I've just jumped right into it. But you have to. You have to face your fears. And I don't think that this is something to be afraid of. I think the naysayers are just, I don't want to call anyone lazy, but, you know, don't be afraid to step outside of your box. Don't be comfortable in that box because you're you're going to be overlooked. You're, you're not going to grow um, professionally, personally. And if chat GPT and AI isn't your thing, that's okay. Social media isn't everybody's thing, but it is part of everyone's business now. Um, when I'm, if I'm meeting a new customer, if I get a new customer added to my book, the first thing I do, I go to their website and I look for their social media. I want to see what they're doing, what they're implementing. Uh, are they using AI? Are they selling NFTs? It gives me, it really humanizes people. So when you add the AI component to it, it's, it's not necessarily dehumanizing them, but it is adding a little flavor. So um, just test it out. Just play with it. See, you know, write an email with it, right? You don't have to go write a book on your first time, but um, ask for help. Ask for help. The answer is no, unless you ask. The newbies coming into our industry often struggle, not understanding the big picture of realizing there are many willing to help them. What advice does Meg offer to these usually younger people? The best thing I would say to this is get a mentor because mentoring helps you when you have somebody in this industry that's already been through it. They've done all the trial and error. They can tell, they can help you with the shortcuts. Um, it's very easy when someone has been, has already done it and they're like, Hey, listen, this is definitely not going to work or, Hey, this is what I did. This is what worked for me. Here's what I suggest. Or, Hey, if I'm, if I'm the mentee, like, Hey, I'm, I'm so nervous. I haven't, I've had a chance to, to think about this or do this. What do you think? Having somebody to bounce ideas off of just to see if you're on the right track, um, I think is completely, um, is what, where we need to be better and what we need to do better and what someone should, should look for when they're coming into this industry is us ask for a mentor. The answer is no, unless you ask. I also suggest joining regionals. Um, I didn't know about the regionals when I first started. And then um, I did a lot of networking through them. I learned who all the neighbors were, who all my friends were, who my family was going to become. The regionals were a big part of my growth. Um, join a board, volunteer, this industry is run by volunteers. Yeah, we all work. We all get paid for our jobs, but it's run by the volunteers. And I know that because I am a volunteer on several committees for PPEF, for Promo Cares, for Promotions East uh, Trade Show. These things wouldn't happen unless there were volunteers. You know, PPEF does an amazing job um, recruiting funds for scholarships that go back to this industry, right? Um the promo kitchen does the mentoring for this industry. Promo cares. We're doing fundraising. Um, 
and it's all good looks on this industry. You know, I heard Joanne Lance say something once and she said, invest in yourself, invest in yourself, invest in yourself. And you are investing in yourself when you're volunteering because you're helping change this industry for the better. And that's only going to help you in return. So um, and that's another little thing of advice, invest in yourself. If there's ever an opportunity to do that, you do it. Any free education at trade shows, take it. Learn as much as you can. Each of us has a story to tell, and those stories change over time as we age and gain experience. And how has Meg's story changed? I joined the Navy when I was 17. You know, I didn't have any mentors. I really didn't have anything. I was like, I got to get out of this hometown. You know, it wasn't for me. 17 and I was out of there. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I am the person I am today because of all the struggles that I had. Okay. And I became mentally strong because of the military and jujitsu. I think those two things saved me. I look back at the people that grew up in my hometown and not many people made it out. And then like I was bullied so badly when I was younger. Um, So, and I think everything happens for a reason. The passion and empathy Meg brings to her work and personal life is inspiring. As a disruptor and innovator, she's on the leading edge of our industry, working tirelessly to keep it relevant and up-to-date with the ever-changing landscape we face. No doubt we'll see her continue to challenge the status quo and use her leadership skills to up everyone's game. From all of us here at Promo Corner, thanks for listening to the new Profiles. I'm Steve Woodburn, and we'll be back next month with stories of other disruptors and agents of change in the promotional products world. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profiles. Tune in next month for another story of someone who wasn't afraid to dream big, take chances, or shake things up.